Hello everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Karen. And this is Owl's Nest, the podcast where we talk about all things books, publishing, and writing for the adolescent imagination. Come in and listen. Today we are going to talk about our classics list, which is this fall, late this fall, kind of early winterish, actually becoming a list because we are adding uh-huh. our second title, which is exciting. It's very exciting. When we started Owl's Nest, we decided that uh, although we, we are publishing, of course, exclusively fiction, and our classics are fiction as well, uh, that we wanted to do something a little bit special uh, in re-releasing some classic literature that is written for adolescent readers. And to re-release these classic books with annotations and a special introduction, new special introductions written specifically for middle grade and teen audiences, and also study questions that are also directly targeted for young readers with an afterword as well. That's kind of a special note from mm-hmm. the, uh, the editor of the text. So there's mm-hmm. an, a special editor on each of our classics who has taken the role of annotating the, the text and uh, writing the added material on. And so we released Anne of Green Gables. Mm-hmm. In that one this, I was the editor for. Yes, of yeah. course, and it's fabulous. We released that last summer, summer of 2022. And we are about to release A Christmas Carol mm-hmm. by Charles Dickens, of course. Uh, and that one will be edited by Devin Brown. Who um, also has released another book for Owl's Nest. Yes. So he's, he, he's already an Owl's Nest author. He wrote Not Exactly Love, which came out this past summer. Um, and when he signed on for that, he also signed on for A Christmas Carol. And uh, we were pretty excited about it. A Christmas Carol we really think of as more written for a family audience. Christmas Carol isn't traditionally, you know, thought of necessarily as written for teenage audience. So it it fall it falls a little outside what our normal purview is, but because it it is for a family audience, we really still think that it fits. It fits well and it's such a beloved Christmas classic and we're really excited about it. I wanted to just kind of add to that as well in saying that um, our classics are going to be books that we feel are written specifically for adolescents or teenagers, even though they existed before there were such Mm -hmm. classifications as books for teens um, necessarily. But when um, Devin came to us with this proposal to do A Christmas Carol, we just got so excited at the idea of having um, our first Dickens on the list. Mm -hmm. And um, because A Christmas Carol is such a beloved family classic, we still felt that it fell within the lines and within the spirit of what we're doing here mm-hmm. at Owl's Nest. So we yes. went ahead and said yes because his proposal was, was fabulous. And we wanted to um, see what he would be able to do with it as far as um, annotating and adding ex- extra material to it. So we just wanted to talk a little bit on this episode about mm-hmm. more of our heart and spirit behind re-releasing these classics, why we are doing that. Um, and why we think that classics are so important to adolescent readers today. And probably just a little bit, give you a little bit of insight into why we both love the classics too. That is also part of what you get when you pick up an Owl's Nest classic. Mm-hmm. Katie, you in particular, you did some really fantastic annotations that in Anne of Green Gables that included like special memories and personal connections to the yeah. story. 
Yeah, I think one of the really unique things, well, there's so much I think that's unique about our classics. First of all, I don't think there's anything else quite like it on the market. Yes, there are annotated editions of many classics. Probably not all the classics that we're going to do will have books that have been annotated. I, I'm speaking out of turn. I haven't researched every book that we have or will or want to do. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, there are, at least I'm going to speak for Anne of Green Gables because that's the one I worked on. There are a few annotated editions. There's no annotated editions that are specifically for teenagers. And one of the, our, our vision for the classics was really to bring them alive to teenagers um, for a new generation, especially because teenagers are not exposed as often maybe as previous generations to the classics. Um, the further we get away from the time when a lot of the classics were written, the harder they are to read. And Karen and I really want the classics to feel accessible for teenagers, for, for kids today. One of the ways to do that is to make them feel personal. And so when I wrote the annotations for Anne of Green Gables, I did, I tied it into my personal life and that I think what I've heard from readers is that it really did sort of draw them in, made them feel more connected to the story, made them feel more connected to me as the person who edited it. That That is, you don't, often annotated books feel very clinical maybe. They're very, yeah. um, they're researchy, very dry, very, yeah. very dry, very researchy. Um, and this and our annotated classics we don't want them to be. We want them to be approachable. We want them to feel, um, we want readers to feel like they are invited into the story. And one way to do that is to kind of get to know the editor. And each, you know, little side note there, each of our um, annotated classics, our um, Owl's Nest Classics editions, will be um, slightly different depending on the editor. So, yes, you know, definitely. Katie's, mm -hmm. Katie's edition of Anne of Green Gables does contain a lot of those personal reflections mm -hmm. in the annotations. Devin Brown's edition of A Christmas Carol, it doesn't have so many personal reflections in it, but he does deeply love A Christmas Carol, and mm -hmm. it comes through in his notes. You can really see his love and affection for the text, and he takes great care to 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 write to the level of the teen readers, um, which is, of course, our goal with these books, is to not have them feel like a college book, like something you, you right. picked up and would, would read um, as an adult or as a college student doing research, but that they are accessible. Um, the language is accessible to young readers. And so th they will be the same. All of them will be the same in that regard in that they are written at a level. Um, nothing is dumbed down. I don't mean it like that, but they're written at an accessible level for younger readers. And um, even if there aren't personal reflections or as many or, you know, mm -hmm. it's still engaging. It's still meant to draw a teen reader in to be engaged with the book in a right. way that that doesn't feel as dry as most annotations. Yeah. So the style of the annotations and the introduction and whatnot will change invariably mm -hmm. because we have different editors doing um, these editions, which is fantastic. You really want, mm -hmm. <laughs> you want a variety of people writing um we want a variety of people writing in our list but but each of them is intended to to draw in young readers and introduce them to these classic works or help them to see them in a new way because we don't know where our readers are coming from some uh young readers may have already uh, been introduced to these classics mm -hmm. and are love them and are looking for um a text to help them to dig deeper in them we do anticipate that we may have some readers who are 
um, in homeschool situations or in private or classical school situations where they are reading the classics. Uh, and But we may have some readers who have never picked up a classic book in their lives and are very intimidated by them. And so um, our editions, part of the reason why we did this is we wanted to put out editions that would be useful to parents or educators in any of these situations, whether they wanted to use them in a homeschooling situation or if teachers want to put them in their classroom. Or if kids wanted to have a book club. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you just have a, a child who loves the classics and you wanted to give them a special collector's edition to mm-hmm. dig a little deeper. Because we know that the classics are incredibly valuable to read. Part of the reason why I was particularly passionate about doing this is because I taught at a classical school for 10 years. And in the classical school environment, um, we we read the classics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of in the title. Um, we read primary sources. We read the classics. Part of what I loved was being able to storytell to my students. So even though we were reading very difficult literature in the classroom, I would read books aloud to my students, and then I would stop periodically, you know, read a paragraph, stop and talk it through with them, mm-hmm. read another, you know, read a page and stop and talk, talk it through with them. So I was, as a classroom teacher, I was kind of orally presenting to the students annotations, then ask some questions for discussion and thought. The students were always so engaged. So you might have a classroom of, I, I taught history, so you might have a classroom of eighth graders and we might be reading Herodotus and yet they were so engaged you know, by and large, and, uh, you know, you always have the few that just don't care, but, you know, by and large, I'd have this classroom of students who are so engaged with this, you know, ancient literature that is a classic work, and it's because you get to kind of hold their hand and walk them through it, and to be able to engage with the primary text like that, Mm. um, simply because, you know, me as the teacher, I'm already familiar with it, and I can read to them the actual words on the page and then stop and give them annotations and stop and ask them discussion questions and engage in conversation with them. It was just, to me, the very best way to show a young person that these, you know, old dusty words on a page are applicable still mm-hmm. today, even if they may be uncomfortable. You know, mm-hmm. there may be uncomfortable things in here, but let's talk about it. Yeah. What's uncomfortable about this? How does a modern audience engage with it? So, like, I, I think the classics are great for two reasons. One, they expose the human condition. Like, humans are humans mm-hmm. no matter when we exist. But yeah. also, things do change. And how do they change? How do our modern sensibilities clash with may- maybe the sensibilities of whenever this book was written? Yeah, like, we, you do encounter uncomfortable things. I think that that makes for a richer discussion and because we can talk about how things stay, have stayed the same and how things have changed. The classics are so valuable for all of all those reasons and so much more. Mm-hmm. And yes. to be able to have kind of a, t- a tutor, as it were, mm-hmm. on the actual pages of the book. You know, if, if you're listening to this and you're, you're an overworked mom or dad and you're thinking, well, I don't have time to read through this with my child. <laughs> Well, you don't have to if you have an Elsner's Classics edition. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, if um, and maybe you do, maybe you want to, but you know, you can just hand um, an annotated classic to them, and they can they can go through it with a little a little tutor on the page, right, with them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just anecdotally on the Anne of Green Gables podcast, the, the Kindred Spirit podcast that I've been on a couple times, um, one of the 
host's daughter, her, her daughter read the book, and there's an annotation. She had asked her mom earlier that day, she's like, why is Moody Spurgeon named Moody Spurgeon? <laughs> and one of the annotations in Anne of Green Gables is explaining the name Moody mm-hmm. Spurgeon. Dwight Moody and Charles Spurgeon were both famous Christian theologians. I have an annotation in the book, and so this this girl went to her mom later that day and was like, oh my gosh, mom, I know why Charles Spurgeon, or I know why Moody Spurgeon is named Moody Spurgeon and why and why Mrs. Lynn says he was bound to be a preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so it's like that, those kind of connections that, that kids can make to the text that they, yeah. wouldn't, that, that they would never have known otherwise. I, when I read Anne of Green Gables as a kid, I didn't make that connection. I had no idea why Mrs. Lynn said Charles said Moody Spurgeon was bound to be a preacher. That yep. didn't mean anything to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And some things, and, and, you know, if you're worried that we over-explain, we are very conscientious in with our footnotes because um, the annotations are footnotes. You don't have to go to the end. Don't worry. They're not endnotes. Right. Right. <laughs> they're footnotes. Um, we are conscientious in making sure that if something can be picked up in context in the story, mm. we leave it alone because there is value in, you know, learning from reading as well. So in, in being able to pick up on subtext and, and things like that, that's, that's part of developing a reading comprehension skills. So mm-hmm. for example, we, we typically do that with vocab. So if you can pick up the meaning of a, of a really difficult word from the context of the sentence, we will not define it. Right. But if it's a word that there is no way you could possibly pick up the de- the meaning of the word from the context of the sentence, mm-hmm. like if it's a an archaic piece of machinery or... Or like in A Christmas Carol, we define humbug, yeah. right? Yeah, Because like humbug. humbug, I mean, yes, we have a very modern idea of what humbug means because of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. But, but do you actually, really know what it but means? But do you really like, know what the definition of humbug is? We're not going to tell you. You have to pick up <laughs> Christmas Carol. <laughs> or you could Google it. But yeah. <laughs> we are, you know, again, former educator here. And of course, Katie is an editor and a very conscientious, you know, reader and just really loves words and vocab mm-hmm. too. So, I do. But we're, I do. yeah. So we're, we are, we are really, um, with our classics editions, if you are looking for editions that of these classics that um, you don't want us to take all of the learning out of reading and classic work, as it were, don't worry. We haven't done that. What we've done is we've gone through and added context clues um, or annotations for, for where where it, it lacks context clues. And we've mm-hmm. added personal reflections and historical notes, historical notes. If there's a sentence that is just so archaic and twisty that, you know, we are confused reading it, mm-hmm. <laughs> then we're going to we're gonna add an explanation and a footnote, something like that. Because the idea is that we don't want, we know how valuable reading the classics are. We know how valuable they are to building cultural literacy, mm-hmm. um, amongst other things, to, to building moral formation and moral imagination as well. You know how important the classics are? reading the classics are for even just understanding other books. The number of times, again, having taught in a classical school for 10 years, I would say, well, how many of you are familiar with Greek mythology? And, you know, maybe like two hands would go up. And then I'd say, well, how many of you guys have read Percy Jackson? And then every hand in the room would go up and I'd say, okay. So they've all read Percy Jackson. And without even like really putting, connecting the dots that Mm -hmm. 
that's Greek mythology. But they didn't realize that Percy Jackson is based on actual, actual mythology. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's he, that, you know, uh, Riordan didn't just yank out of the, all of that mythology out of the ether. He didn't make it up. So to even to properly understand mm-hmm. popular, like, pop culture, pop culture references across the ages, you yes. need to read the classics. You may say, well, I, I mean, even like video games and songs and stuff like you may say, oh, I love this, this story. Well, you would love it even more if you understood, you know, yes, what the context clues within it, um, that what it's referencing, even, you know, the, the, the structure of it, you know, that all of these things are built on the foundations of, of greater, yes, I'll say it, greater works that have come before it. <laughs> we, we just really... We're passionate about it. We're passionate about it, yeah. So we don't want a young person to open a classic work and to feel as though they are too dumb to read it or that it's just too boring or that um, it's not written for them because none of those things are true. Everybody can find at least one classic book that they really enjoy, and we want to we want to be releasing books that make older works accessible, mm-hmm. introduce them to a new era, a new uh, generation of mm-hmm. of readers who are maybe not getting as much of it in regular life in school these days. Maybe they are. Maybe some of them are. It depends on the educational system and and what they're reading at home. But we know that there's a pushback against reading the classics these days and I know that it I, I know that kids are not getting as much of it as they used to. So our hope is to to introduce them yeah. to a new generation. Of course we can't release it takes us a while to produce books. So, you mm-hmm. know, we did one last year, we've got one coming out this year, we have another one coming out next year. In two volumes, we'll be releasing uh, Little Women in two volumes next year. Because um, Little Women is really, really big. That's why it's coming out in two volumes. Yes. <laughs> from from there, we will, we will keep you posted. So let us know if you have any questions. Well, I will say about Little Women, originally it was released in two volumes. So yes. we're just going back to the original way that it was published. Let us know if you have any questions about our classics list um, or anything else. And Tell again, us what classics you'd love yeah, to see. What, what do you want to see us release um, an annotated Owl's Nest edition of? Yeah, we have and our own. We have our own list, but I would love to hear what readers are interested in seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And we will we will do our best to um, to listen and produce <laughs> over the slow grind of of book publishing time. <laughs> so yeah, thanks again for listening. And oh, and don't forget to uh, pre-order a Christmas Carol and pick up a copy of Anne of Green Gables if you mm, haven't yes, done yes, so yes. already. Thanks as always to Ali Castaldo, our producer, and to Wilder Adkins for our original intro and outro music. And be sure to drop him a listen. All the places that you can find music. This has been Alice's Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, hoot hoot.